a.m. live. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo. It's eight minutes after eight. Now, following criticism that leaders, including the late uh, former President Nelson Mandela, might have prioritized forgiveness over redistribution of wealth to poorer South Africans, various leaders in South Africa, including uh, those from the clergy, politicians, have accused EFF Commander-in-Chief Julius Malema of being disrespectful and have also asserted that criticizing an icon such as Mandela was of no benefit to anyone, including Malema himself. Now, the EFF leader made the headlines when he told an audience in London that uh, the late former statesman had failed to follow through on his mandate as a revolutionary after his release from prison in the 90s. On the Forum Date this morning, we take a look at these liberation heroes, uh, uh, liberation struggle heroes, and the values that underpin their lives and everything that they did for this country. So, our question this morning is Is South Africa ready? to critique the legacy of our liberation struggle heroes. And the lines are open, 891 Do call to give us your view. SMS us on 34701, or you can tweet or Facebook AM Live on SAFM. And we also have with us Onkopotse JJ Tabane, who is one of South Africa's leading media and communication specialists, as well as community activist and a business executive. Thanks for speaking to us this morning, JJ. Thank you very much, Tagina. Can you hear me? I can hear you, uh, but it's always good if you yes. speak up slightly louder. And yes. um, we also have with us youth activist and MA student at uh, Wits University, uh, Smamkele Tlakavu. Thanks for your time as well. Hello. Thank you for having me. And let me start with you. Are we ready as a nation to start critiquing the legacy of our liberation struggle heroes? I think we were not ready for a long time uh, because we had accepted um, the narrative that we live in a rainbow nation, that our leaders did their best, that South Africa is in fact a a miracle nation, and this is due to the sacrifices of our leaders. But I think this generation of young people that are part of, students who are leading movements such as Roadsmas 4, um, the Black Student Movement at the university currently known as Rhodes, and the students who've led the Fismas 4 protest are starting to show the cracks in our freedom and are starting to ask questions that are uncomfortable and have been uncomfortable to ask for a very, very long time in South Africa. So I think this generation of young people is, is asking the tough questions that are making so many South Africans uncomfortable. So why are we uncomfortable about speaking about this at this point, JJ? Well, I mean, there is a general uh, fear to debate issues in any in any case. So this particular issue about critiquing the, uh, you know, what 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 came before us is is in that same context. But of course, you need to understand that people today are afraid to debate just because of of patronage and and being put in a particular box and being labelled as critical of the current administration. But that's for another debate, really. In terms of what our leaders did, our previous leaders like Nelson Mandela did, they had a, a particular responsibility to bring us to a certain level of freedom, which was political freedom. The issue of economic freedom was always going to be the next step. That's why the ANC uh, in its uh, previous police conference was talking about the second transition or the second part of the transition. So there's a recognition that the first transition had to do with political freedom, which is merely to gain the vote and political power and then use that political power now to gain freedom for everyone else. So it should not be something that we are uncomfortable about because uh, the, the, the struggle and what it brought us in 94 was, was never perfect. 
uh, and anybody who thinks that it was it was we, we could have achieved everything as if we were in a in an insurrection would be unrealistic. So so I, I I do think that while we are not ready to have proper conversations and so on, it, it, there is no escape. There has been uh, flashes of it. If I may just round off that point of of such a, a brutal assessment. If you look at the what is called a diagnostic report of the National Development Plan. The, the, that assessment was very, very brutal in terms of what we have not been able to achieve so far, in terms of governance, in terms of uh, uh, services to our people. And hence, you, you need that, that kind of brutal assessment to come up with a national development plan that would then say this is how we must take uh, things forward. It's interesting if you look at the current uh, student protest, for example, about, about free education. The reality is, more than three or four years ago, in fact, in fact, five years ago, the ANC already decided that there must be free education. It is a failure to implement it that is the current revolt, and not the absence of such a policy recognition that before '94 you didn't have free education. Our leaders brought us to a point where there was still no such free education. Fast forward to 20 years, there is a recognition that uh, out of an assessment that our current setup is not working. We now need a new, uh, a new approach to economic freedom, so to speak. So why the sensitivity then, Asimam Gele? Why can't we? Because policy is one thing, and policy will continue to be there. It will evolve. But if you are a leader, then surely you will leave a legacy. And as such, it opens you up to this sort of critique. And I, I think that's very important. Um, so for instance, um, Pumla Gola writes in her new book, uh, book that nobody wins against a hero. And I think, you know, Mandela and the ANC um, have, be, have been branded as South African heroes. And so if you argue against, you know, uh, a figure like Mandela, who's not only in South Africa, but globally, and critique some of his actions and some of his decisions, you are, you know, the underdog. You are the one who's talking nonsense. You are the one who's being petty because how can you critique, you know, such a god? And I I, I think we need to, you know, uh, stay away from that narrative. We need to look at Mandela holistically. We need to celebrate, you know, his achievements and, and his sacrifices. But we also need to critique, you know, parts of where, you know, we think uh, he could have acted differently. Because even Chris Annie, before he died, he critiqued uh, Mandela and he critiqued the, 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 the decisions that the ANC was starting to make. And uh, he died, right? But still, um, you know, Chris Annie is an example of someone who even with within the echelons of power, was able to look at power holistically and able to, to point out the flaws in the decisions that the power is making at, at the expense of the people. And his own legacy is one that's also out there to be critiqued. Definitely, definitely. Everyone's legacy. I remember when we were celebrating Robert's Book Day, um, this um, this, um, this past weekend on the anniversary of his birthday, there were people who were critiquing some of the actions uh, he made, even Sobukwe made, and that's healthy. So it's healthy for a democracy to debate and debate holistically. It's healthy for a democracy to ask tough questions, to ask questions like, did Mandela sell out? Did they 
vaccines allowed. Because when we look at, you know, the, the point of contention, when we look at the flaws in the decisions, we are able to learn from those flaws and we are able to move on. Um, young people today are saying that they want to contribute to the development of you know South Africa, they want to contribute uh, and change the narrative uh, um, and decolonialize the country. So, if young South Africans want to do that and are on that mission, they need to understand the mistakes that were made before them. They need to look at those flaws so that they don't mis- they don't they don't repeat them, and so that they 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 make you know better decisions for the country. So, if it is healthy, JJ. Why then the yeah. outrage? Why the, why are we then so outraged at someone asking a difficult question about someone's no, look, legacy? I think the, the, the issue really is that if we are serious about building a country, and, and, and if you look at somebody like Julius Malema and the EFF, they, they always claim they're going to be a, you know, the next government and so when you are When you have to govern, you can't govern through slogans and, and just shouting and, and, and so on. We have had to learn that once we got out of the trenches into a government where we need to then take into account the realities of the economy, the realities of the global economy and so on, that we are not an island somewhere where we can just wake up and shout socialism and it will happen. I think the reality is that uh, uh, when, you, when you characterize somebody's mistakes as sell-out, you need to understand what sell-out means because some people maybe just woke up and they, 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 they came across uh, some vocabulary about what sell-out means, a deliberate action, to actually, uh, uh, you know, uh, go against the wishes of your people for personal gain. That's what. That's why there's a selling in, a sell out. So you are being paid to do something opposite. Now that's different from saying you add in analysis of what was required by the moment, or you made mistakes. And and when you you make that, and that's why I gave the, the the example of the diagnostic report. They called it diagnostic for a particular purpose. You actually have to identify where the problems are and then come up with solutions of how do we build going forward. So the outrage, I think it was, uh, uh, you know, some impression that Mandela came out of jail, you know, after 27 years of being there, and then suddenly had this, you know, a desire just to see things uh, smoothed out or peppering over the cracks without applying himself. And that's, that, that, that's, that's further from the truth. First of so... all, there was a collective, not just of the ANC, but of the entire leadership of the country from all political spectrum that said, how do we take this country forward? You couldn't take it forward by saying, oh, let there be an insurrection. They, you know, what, what white people want, it doesn't matter. What black people want is, is the only thing that matters. You couldn't do that. You understand? That's why... I have you know, a problem with that. Well, hindsight is always cleverer, you know. We're 20 years on, and you are cleverer than everybody else about what <laughs> should have been done in 94. The reality is compromises had to be made. It's not a war or an insurrection where the winner takes all. Smomkel? I have um, a problem with it. So he says that um, there was consultation, um, but there wasn't. There was much, It's been so many people have written about the moment where the negotiation was, 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 was the negotiations were going on, and how much it lacked consultation. The the the, the Ani, um, uh, interview that I mentioned at the beginning of this interview speaks to that. Ani said in that interview that. Um, there was a, there was um, the, the, the the entire negotiations lacked comprehensive consultation and comprehensive consultation not just at the top level of people within even the ANC and other liberation movements, um, but it also lacked 
consultation on the people in terms of the ground at the time of the negotiations. People, for instance, um, I remember in, 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 in politics and on year, we, we studied the entire period of the negotiations, the language that was used, how the, 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 the ANC and other liberation movements spoke and addressed the people and at what moments. So, for instance, when it came to discussing economic policy, even within the ranks of the ANC, um, they would use hard economic jargon that ordinary ANC members wouldn't understand. So that's the language, for, for instance, in discussing the economy of hard economic jargon, jargon obviously excludes people who don't understand um, um, microeconomics, macroeconomics. It, inclu- it excludes basic people. People. So even the language that was used was used to exclude people to say, "I when you don't understand um, these yeah. things, you don't understand." Can I, can I, so can for I me, Steve, I'm not done, Baba. I'm not done. Wait for me to finish. So for me, uh, when he speaks about this, 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 there was consultation. For me, I would have wanted there to be more consultation because the decisions that were made were not supposed to be made by a few people in leadership, right? The decision, even the mistakes, you know, were supposed to be made by the people. The ANC Morogoro Conference documents, right, said that the ANC's um, policy was for liberation, was people's based, right? It was about people's power and the need to mobilize people's power and people's voices. But that didn't happen yeah. during the negotiations. A lot of voices were left out the table, including women who mm-hmm. were protesting outside yeah. uh, the Codessa conference. Could we put yeah, that I to, uh, before I come to you, JJ, isn't it also a function of leadership, uh, though, uh, Simam Kele, where it is not always possible to go and consult everyone um, in the chain and where as a leader you have to show the way? Obviously, it's not impossible to to it's, it's impossible to consult every single person in South Africa. But obviously, there are movements, there are structures where people are already mobilised. For instance, uh, when the National Development Plan was 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 um, that JJ speaks so fondly about that I have a problem with, um, the National Development Plan's public engagement strategy was to say that no. All South African, most South Africans will be engaged, will engage different groups, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But even in the, the consultation process on the national plan, it was skewed towards a few people who who who, who already know people in the ministry, few movements and 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 and, and formations that are already known within the movement. So for me, is that we had to use like on the ground social movements, right? Uh, if you're speaking about people's power, people in South Africa were already mobilizing with and outside of the ANC. They were mobilizing for basic services. They were mobilizing for other for other um, necessities. So for me, it would have been great to to consult some of the, those movements who, who already had uh, people on, under their base, right? So go to the rural areas more often and not just come and speak to us from press conferences, from stadiums, when you already have uh, an answer for us, when you're speaking to us, coming to tell us what's going to be done. Speak to us, engage with us. Let's come together to, to, to decide, you know, the, the, the agenda of the nation. JJ? Look, I mean, there is political pie in the sky about, uh, you know, whether you can go around, you know, subjecting economic policy to big rallies and so on. That, that doesn't happen anywhere in the world. You've got to really look at all movements across the ages. There will always be a small group of people who have to interpret what the masses want. 
and then subject those processes to elections and so on. There would have been a rebellion in 1994 if people thought that, you know, that the deal on the table was so terrible as to reverse the gains of freedom. The reality was different. Millions of people went out to endorse, you know, the, the, the broad approach. Nobody said they read every single sentence of economic policy and trajectory of the RDP and so on. Interestingly, the current NDP consultation could have even been even poorer than the, the, the RDP when we first came into government. And why do I say that? You would remember that the NDP, which is, I think, one of the most constructive uh, pieces of work on the, on, the, on the table now, which is what was, what was more or that garnered more consensus uh, since the Constitution, right? It was actually adopted by all political parties before it could even be debated at, at an ANC uh, conference. In fact, at the ANC conference, there was very minimal discussion about it in 2012 in Mangaung. Anybody who can tell me there was even a comma shifted from that document would, 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 would not be telling the truth, right? So all I'm saying is that it was to dismiss and say there was no consultation is obviously false. Yes, there could have been more consultation, but, you know, there will always be a need for more consultation. You know, during the, those negotiations, there was something called sufficient consensus. Even people around the same table sometimes did not agree enough they had to leave some of them behind. Azapu, for example, which was shouting the loudest about land and other things, decided to boycott the whole process. Uh, nobody listened to them, and we still proceeded. Whether they were, they were right or wrong is neither here nor there. The reality is, in a democracy, you are always going to find contested views. You are not always going to get to every citizen to have their voice, but you will always improve this thing. And, and it's always important not to generalize and say, oh, the whole thing was just a pact of the elite and people were not involved. There were huge NGO movements on the ground, CTO, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. and so on, don't, who don't, were involved, I'm not who were Hold on, Mom, can Finish, JJ. No, Sorry, if, I may just, if, if I may just round off that point. Mm? The issue is you cannot dismiss the 94 deal as a sellout because that would be trying to, to be clever in hindsight. It was inadequate in, 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 in completing the picture of freedom, which must be about lifting people out of poverty, lifting people out of inequality, right? Uh, nobody has said that once you vote, then everything will be okay. There was, there was every recognition of the fact that you needed to reconstruct and build the country based on some basic principles, hence the, the principles that were adopted by everybody in 1994. Now, in going forward, you've got to be able to say, what are the flaws of that settlement? Without casting aspersions on people who gathered around the table and trying to be cleverer in, hands, in, in hindsight, we've got to be able to say, these were the flaws, this is how we must build going forward. All right, let's go to the lines. Mom, can I hold that view? I just want to run through these calls before we get to news. Uh, 0891-104-208. The question uh, we are uh, grappling with this morning, is South Africa ready to critique the legacy of our liberation struggle heroes? Sam in Kahiso, good morning. Yeah, I, I think the, the premise from which this uh, discussion starts or is, is based on, it's wrong. Uh, critiquing uh, liberation heroes, specifically Nelson Mandela, is not a new thing. Uh, I'm wondering if your guests are aware of what Zephaniah Mutupi used to tell Nelson Mandela. Before 1994, JJ, uh, the problem again here is that 
the media and publishing houses are wrong because they are, they are pushing a particular uh, line or ideology. And uh, history is not taught correctly in this country. And if you deny a people their history, you are denying them their personality. And what is a, a, a personality of a group? The personality of a group uh, refers to their cultural identity, which is made up of three factors, the historical, the linguistic, and the psychological aspects. And I'm, I'm surprised that uh, we reach this stage here, and uh, the PAC has never been mentioned by either of your guests. Uh, JJ just mentioned Azapo because he wanted to make a point that Azapo was against the negotiations without, you know, putting everything into perspective that the PAC, especially Zephania Mutupi and Jafta Masemur, were against these negotiations. They told Mandela, but Mandela was big-headed to go and negotiate the future of the country alone. And JJ, you are wrong. And I want to tell uh, this lady who said, uh, we were not ready to critique Mandela because of all, what I've said already. Chris Hani was part of this charade. He was not different from these SACP and ANC leaders. So uh, let's start. And I, I, I spoke to Obrima Sango of Radio 702, and he admitted that he never read uh, Robert Sobukes' 1959 inaugural speech. So if we, if we have people in the media who are uh, uh, influencing the culture of society, not even knowing anything about Robert Sobuk. I think it's a pity. And we are wrong. The, the SABC is wrong for uh, always uh, broadcasting ANC events live without giving coverage to other liberation movements, especially the Pan-Africanist Congress of Azania and the Azanian People's Organization. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, Sam in Cajiso brings us uh, to 8.30, so we'll pick up this after the news break right now. And this morning we're asking, is South Africa ready to critique the legacy of our liberation struggle heroes, given what's transpired over um, some time now, but more importantly over the last few weeks, where uh, criticism has been met with a huge outcry. So do we understand what the critiquing is about? Do we understand you know, what leaders uh, are actually subject to uh, post their reign. Uh, this is what we are asking this morning. Our guests, Onkopotse, JJ Tabane and uh, Smamkele Tlakavu, they are speaking to us. Smamkele, let me give you a chance to respond there before we go back to the lines. Oh, I was, um, I, the last caller was, was very powerful because he said that the media and media, um, and media houses are invested in a certain narrative about South Africa. And we also need to understand who owns the media in this South Africa. It's mostly uh, white people that owned it before, um, you know, um, this democracy of ours. And the certain narrative of the South Africa, of South Africa as a miracle nation, as, um, as the land of the free, has certain people invested in it. And that is white capital at the center because white capital benefited from where South Africa is today, benefited from the decisions made by Mandela and his comrades. Today, two white men own the same wealth 
as a bottom half of the population because of the decisions that were made by our leaders. And so the white media wants to promote their narrative. I just wanted to respond to that question. JJ? Look, I think it's a bit, it's a bit of a tired argument. The reality is <laughs> that the media landscape is changing. You cannot tell me that the new age, independent and so on, are lumped together with the Times group anymore. It's no longer that simple. We've got to now say there is a need for media to transform so that it reflects the reality of South Africa better and better. The, t- the days of simply defaulting to an analysis that says, oh, there's a big four, they all say whites are good, blacks are bad. It, it is no longer that simple. There's, there's now social media. Social media means that you and I can become citizen journalists. Definitely. I've written many, many Definitely. columns in my life. Now I've been told by any white owner what to write in my columns. And neither has my columns been changed when I've written particular things that are critical of white media. I've written extensively about how we should transform the, the, the media. And I think that those discussions must go on. But we can no longer default to simply black and white or Mandela has sold out so everything else is going down the tubes. We, we've got to be able to analyze more succinctly about what are the things in the 94 settlement that we've got to change. For example, there's a big debate about an economic codessa. You know, what will that economic Codessa do that 94 has failed to do? I think that there is a task there for all of us to say we can no longer carry on where unemployment is 36% and we think that, oh, we must just praise Mandela and move on. I think that there is a need to say that Mandela Mandela and his uh, leadership at that time achieved up to a particular point, and that's your question now. Must we critique what they have done? Yes. Must we uh, lump what they have done as all about self-interest and sell-out? No. We've got to find mm. a middle ground where we need to find what is inadequate about this settlement of 94 and therefore what needs to be done going forward. Let's not get stuck at 94 as, you know, yes, the, 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 the yes, be-all and yes. end-all of things because there was South Africa before 1994. There were leaders, uh, there were heroes before 1994. And it, it brings me to this question about critiquing yeah. legacies. Who has the right to critique a legacy? Everyone has a right. I mean, I don't even know why that's the question. Everyone has a right to critique a legacy because life goes on. Life doesn't end because people had a legacy and did certain things to bring us where we are. Life continues. In fact, those same people, right, who brought us where we are, would be disappointed if we thought that we should fold our arms now that they are gone. They, they, They want us to build on what... Uh, 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 what they have put in, in place. And, and, and the very nature of freedom means that we are free to even criticize them about what they didn't achieve. But when we do that, we can't be flippant about it and, and say things that make us seem that we, we, we think we were, we were cleverer uh, than, than they were or fail to analyze what were the circumstances that led them to certain decisions that brought us where we are. That's all I'm asking for. I'm not asking for people to, to genuflect in front of Mandela or anything of that nature and declare Mandela a saint. He, he was not. He made his own mistakes. We have a right to make our own mistakes as this generation. But to do that, we've got to, to analyze properly so that we are able to, 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 to then recommend correct solutions of our future.
Well, that's JJ Tabane, and I'm going to take more calls. Let's keep them short and sharp and run through them. The question we are asking this morning is whether South Africa is ready to critique the legacy of our liberation struggle heroes, and that is not confined to Nelson Mandela. It, it means everybody who was involved at any stage of uh, in the fight for liberation, any one of the leaders who made a, 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 a meaningful contribution, and um, maybe I should withdraw the word meaningful, who made a significant contribution should we be critiquing them or is it too soon um, as some would suggest 0891-104-208 Shaga in Durban, good morning uh, Good morning yes, yes, it is. Welcome Hello? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, I think that uh, it, uh, we, we need to be critique of uh, the legacy of our leaders like we're talking about, because that's the only way that will get us out of this mess that we find ourselves currently in. Mm-hmm. Mandela. And, uh, uh, Mandela, you see, the problem with Mandela, where we find mm-hmm. something, is that Mandela never, when he had those secret talks, secret meetings, at the Victor Fair House with the, with the brother Bond, he never consulted with anybody, Governor Bailey uh, or Archambo. They asked him, what were the gist of the meeting? that Mandela was having with the, the brother bond. And the Queen met with him 40 times. The Queen never met uh, Mandela there to discuss uh, uh, socialism, that's how we're going to live with you, black people. The key point was to control the economy and the land. And that's exactly what they did. And then they, 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 they elevated Mandela as the, as the struggle icon at the mass of our black people. So we need to be critical of those things so that you can rectify those mistakes. Because if we, if we deny uh, that Mandela made some mistakes, like how he banned the, the, the arms struggle without consulting Chris Han, as he was the MK general at the time, that was also wrong. You see, he did, he, he did his own thing there, but the he wants to fall in that trap with him. They must criticize him and say that we don't think that he did right there and there, because that's the only way that's going to get us out of this mess. Okay. Not Got you there, Shaga in Durban. Let's go to Mtata. Pasiga, good morning. Uh, the assumption here... Hello, am I live? We are listening. Hello. The assumption here is that uh, as South Africans, we have been done a favor and uh, perhaps bequeathed a, a legacy, which is not the fact. What we should be dealing with <clears throat> is naked truth of the fact that... Uh, the likes of your J.J. Tabane, they have got a jaundiced opinion of, of South African history in the sense that Mandela never served 27 years in Northern Ireland. It was rather just Khaladi Masemula who served 27 years in, 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 in prison. Now, what South Africans need to take cognizance of is that there was a clear program which I might term, I might, I might term the making of Mandela whereby Mandela was made to be this superhero, not only above other liberation movements, even above his own ANC. And that led to a situation where today we have got issues like, let me cite the two quick issues for your, for your benefit, uh, uh, JJ. If you go back to your history facts, you will realize that and recall that uh, the TAC marched out of the World Trade Center because, if I may use the words of the current Deputy Chief Justice, uh, the Senegal, he said 
the PAC has discovered that the so-called negotiations is just a facade. Everything which is being discussed there, it has the ANC has committed the South African people in each and every aspect which is going to benefit the the, 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 the white population and the sunset clauses. So lastly, Sakina, uh, I would like to, to borrow from the from Stephen Cortez of, of the Daily Maverick. He's asking a poignant question that why is it that he actually is quoting a Professor Manu, that why is it that not a single African black in your context has written, eulogized, and sung praises to Mandela. And that I regard to be illuminating. Thank you. Thank you so much, Pasika and Mtata. Let's go to Stephen in Durban. Good morning. Hi, Sakina. Yeah, just, just very quickly. I mean, Mandela's a man. So, A, he's fallible. He's going to make mistakes. Um, and, and, you know, people, what are people's perceptions of mistakes? Because, because I can tell you now, I was at, um, at the age of, of, of my late 20s when the country changed. And, and there was a lot of tension in this country, and he was able to bring that down. And thanks to, to Mandela and the people around him, we didn't have a civil war in this country because I think we were heading there at one stage. And that's what people need to remember, that they, they, it's all the while saying they want land distribution and stuff. If Mandela had come and done that and just willy-nilly distributed land and given back things to people, too, given things to people that they deserved too quickly and things like that, it would have, there were people that were anti it, and Mandela needed to get everybody's buy-in. So, yeah, he might have made mistakes, but, but the fact of the matter is he saved us from, from a really bloody, brutal civil war in this country. Thanks so much, Stephen. Let's go to Londium Kize, ANC Youth League spokesperson in Joburg. Good morning. Uh, good morning, Sakina, and uh, your host of the show. But I just want to make two comments uh, to allow others to comment. Firstly, is that uh, critiquing leaders across spectrum is something that should be welcomed. It's something that has been there. But I just want to correct one thing. For instance, uh, the, the one of your guests uh, cited the fact that uh, Kisane once uh, said something very bad about Mandela or about leadership. In fact, that if you look at the documentary of Kristen, Kristen was saying that they should have been a thorough internal consultative process because he felt that him being not there was a, was a disadvantage to him. Secondly, is to say that uh, democracy and its breakthrough in South Africa had a lot of concessions that needed to be made. For those that have not seen that documentary, I would encourage them. There is a documentary which was done by ENCA called 1994, the bloody miracle. If you look at that documentary, it begins to give you an insight of what the country was confronted with. A country where black and black, there was black on black violence, but equally there was violence that was between black and white, and primarily the black on black violence was funded by white. And the fact that the apartheid regime itself was finding itself going into deep truth. The army generals were not agreeing with the speaking president of state. So when you speak about the legacy of Mandela, particularly that era, which I think that is what preoccupies our minds, regardless of the fact that he had led many campaigns before, which people don't seem to speak about, is that you must put things into context. Don't apply today's conditions in those days. Oops, that's Londim Kize, ANC Youth League spokesperson in Joburg. Let's go to Sekunda. Good morning, Ali. Ali? Okay, uh, Ali is still trying to find himself there. Let's uh, move on to uh, Aubrey in Eitanaka. Good morning. Good morning, Sakina. Sakina, we are talking here 
about South African icon. This is my icon. I don't doubt his commitment in liberating this country, but I think when he was released in prison, that's where uh, Nelson Mandela sold out. Uh, the wealth of this country will be shared among those who live in it. That cannot be. We can't share the wealth of this country with, with Indians, with Mexicans, with Chinese, with Cubians. There is no way. Mandela, for those reasons, he sold us. That is why we are in this mess today under his leadership. There goes Aubrey because I wanted to ask so, uh, what exactly is supposed to happen? Um, what does that say about the documents that we have since adopted the constitution that guides everything in this country? What does it say about that? But anyway, Aubrey is gone. Temba and Vitbang, good morning. Good morning, Sakina. How are you? Good and you? I'm very well and also those people who are talking with you. As again, we are talking here with a person who did a lot for the country. And this person got mistakes as other people do. The only thing that we realize, we are responsible now to pave a way forward, to build this economy forward, rather than to focus on him what he did wrong and right. Because he was opening a door for us so that we can share and sit down and address our challenges in the country. But now we are focusing back to his mistakes. That point is very wrong. What is important now, everybody got mistakes. We need to build this country thing together. Even the president of the EFF did a very big mistake to go outside the country and pronounce a statement. He must start at home so that we can address it here at home and it goes out smoothly so. Thank you, Sakina. Well, critiquing is what we are talking about this morning. Riaz in Pulukwane, what's your view? Uh, thank you for the great show and hi to all. My issue is that how we think about critique is important because I agree with the sentiments of both your speakers and I think they're arguing over uh, making mountains, uh, making mosey hills out of a mountain. Because the point about it is, is that 1994 was a different time because we did not have power. Mandela made certain compromises to get to power, to get uh, black people into power and to get uh, freedom. How we look at it now, looking backwards, is 2020 vision, as Omkakutse uh, Tabani uh, says. But the point about it is, is that we can't be transhistorical. There was a particular context, and the context is uh, related to your other speaker. I didn't get her name, but the point about it is, is that what do we do now? I mean, we still talk about white capital, right? Of course, we must critique our leaders, but how must we criticize? Uh, how must we criticize them? Now, we don't talk about white capital as such because it's international finance capital. Our Finance Minister Trevor Manuel should be the subject of critique more than Mandela because Mandela did what he could do in the possibilities of his time. Did Alec Owen and Trevor Manuel do what was possible? For example, your recent, your uh, college is now criticizing foreign investment, right? Did you know that South Africa was forced to accept commitments at the World Trade Organization as a developed country? 
That is why we no longer have clothing. Our steel industry is a mess. Our car industry we have to subsidize. So what critique we make shouldn't be trans-historical. It's fine to criticize Gandhi to say he was a racist and an empire builder. Sure, that is correct. But at the time, he maximized the possibilities within the space that was available to him, like Mandela. But after Mandela, and this is where Juju's critique is useless, right, is we went neoliberal, right? This is our enemy. Our national development plan that J.J. Tabani is pushing, right, is written by Trevor Manuel, who pushed, hello? We're listening. Uh, uh, Trevor Manuel, who goes and works for N.M. Rothschild, and N.M. Rothschild was funding Cecil John Rhodes. I mean, you have Alan Hirsch, right, why the fees must fall movement is going, inviting Trevor Manuel to speak to developing uh, development studies students, right, at UCT, I mean, this whole historical understanding of ours is so navel-gazing, you know, it's not real. Even J.J. Tabani, who keeps talking about what do we do going forward, doesn't identify neoliberalism as a problem. Look at Shanduka. I mean, Cyril Ramaphosa was caught with Johnnick and Nail. Now he bought shares for £17 in the holding company of Lonman right, for 17 pounds, and he financed it, and now those shares are worth 3 pounds. They caught him in Jonic, they caught him in mail. Black people in this country have been cheated, but we don't know our enemy, and our enemy is neoliberalism. Critique mm. must be based on critique of neoliberalism. Why the hell is Trevor Manuel allowed to be a hero, the best finance minister in our history, and goes and works for N.M. Rothschild? Read the Wall Street Journal and all this. They're all talking about regulatory capture. So if we are not trans-historical, both your speakers can be reconciled. Thank you so much, Riaz. And of course, when we talk about critique, and, and, and commonly people would understand it as um, you know something negative, that it's about fault-finding, but it's also about merit and, and, and recognizing the good things that people did. So that is what the critique should center around. Uh, Gift in Port Elizabeth, good morning. Hi, Sakina, and hi to your guest. Look, uh, within 30 seconds, well, we don't have time. I think, I think this country has been observing the rise of genetically modified revolutionaries, whom I can regard as peacetime heroes, who never even lifted a finger. And some of us who are still young have been in the struggle. We were persecuted, we spent years in jail, detained without trial, and all of a sudden, there's this rise. But I think my point is, I think one of your favorite things, like without even questioning, uh, credibility. I think she needs some political education on the Mandela devotion and the struggle, including some of our heroes, because they need to look no further than. When I, I, I think it was very interesting when I read the uh, Zimbabwe, who only three years ago dismissed those who claim Mandela is so that they are suffering from intellectual laziness and are ignorant of the complexities of managing the political transition in this country. And I want to agree with the slide, which I think is a contradiction to what Isira has said. And I, I think the point is. Those who are still young, who were never part of the struggle, who will always have these views, who I think are, are misdirected, and I think they need some political issues. Well, why are those views what? misdirected? Why are they not allowed to hold those views? Are we suggesting then no. that our views need to be homogenous around any given subject? No, not, not exactly. Not exactly, because my point is they were not there when we were discussing the political transition. Because there were a lot of complexities at the time. 
And because of <laughs> they, under, they didn't understand why some of the the, the, the compromises that was made and why we didn't make those, well, we made those compromises. I, and I think they should... But Gift, I put it to you that there we, are people who are there who don't understand. So, so, so why does that preclude them? Why does not having there precludes anybody? Does that mean that we cannot go back into history and critique the legacies of those who went before us? We, all, all South Africans, including your guests, have a right to critique the deals that were made in the country, including the issue of Santa Clauses, including the issue of property clause. But the leadership never sold out because at the time, there were complexities that made them to, to, to take some of the compromises that have made in the country. Because remember, remember, if, if some of your kids, including that particular lady, was there when people were killed in the black-on-black violence in KwaZulu-Natal, in Gauteng, in Trey, they would understand why in 1993. Okay, uh, that's where we are going to leave that with you, Gift. And of course, it's, it's a complex issue. Nobody knows exactly what went on in every single space in South Africa at the time of this transition. But as we said, it's not just about 94 and what happened, you know, um, in the lead up to that seminal moment. It's about critiquing legacies of our leaders. And in order for you to a rank amongst those people, it means you did something. There's a reason why your name stands out. You've made uh, some decisions that uh, people obviously um, are questioning sometime down the line. Let me read some of the SMSs. Sammy in Benoni says, there's a difference between a critique and an insult. And to say that Mandela was a sellout is an insult. But to say that the negotiations were not successful in delivering economic freedom is a critique. Mageba in Pretoria says, how can you consult the black masses for every aspect of negotiations with the enemy during the war. The lady in the panel, I'm afraid she's naive and she lacks practical experience in the struggle for freedom. I'm going to put it to you, Mageba, that the ANC leadership at the time did recognize the importance of consultation. And it was on the back of that that they actually sent some of the other leaders out to go and make sure that people were actually Okay, with what was going on at every step of those negotiations, because they realized that it was important to take the people along with them. Kosi Makaituga says, "Read Mandela Beyond the Myth. It's about Mandela and his ANC, and you will know." Or we were sold out at the first meeting in Mills Park in London before the public Codessa. Jabu says, hi, SK. We have turned mediocre into demigods. We are scared of telling the truth as it is. Mandela and the ANC leadership sold out, hiding behind reconciliation. And Viv Moodley says, there's no doubt that Nelson Mandela is a hero and will remain one forever. What Julius must know is that uh, there is no country in Africa that gained power from the, colonial, uh, uh, from the colonialists um, and that's removed people from poverty and inequality. Well, 30 seconds, we have to wrap it, JJ. 30 seconds. In 30 seconds, we, we, we've got to critique our, our leaders who came before us. We've got to critique the 94 settlement and what its weaknesses are and put in place solutions going forward. There's no holy cows. I know that people are very sensitive about Mandela, but at the same time, People like Julius, you need to understand that, you know, Mandela is revered and you, if you just insult without any substance, you're also going to have a backlash. We don't need that. What we need is constructive dialogue that can take this country forward. Yes, Mom Keller? 
Okay, I want to close off with a, uh, a quote by Mandela in his Treason Child speech. He says that uh, the most important uh, document ever adopted by the ANC is the Freedom Charter. It is by no means a blueprint for a socialist state. It calls for redistribution of land. It, provi- it pro- provides for nationalization of mines, banks, monopoly industry. And this, for me, is what I'm saying we need to go back to. We need to go back to his original ideas and the ideas that many people died for in this country. So my last sentiment is viva economic freedom. Well, that's where we're going to leave it this morning. And thank you so much to our guests, uh, JJ Tabane and Asmam Gelet Lakavu. And to you, of thank course, you. for your thank fantastic you for participation. You're most welcome. And we'll be back tomorrow between 6 and 9 a.m., God willing. And right now.